Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here to talk Cubs, which means we got to talk about five losses in a row. Did you guys realize it was... I feel like people haven't said that a lot, that it's like that was their fifth straight loss. I don't know if it's because of the... It was like, well, they lost the Brewers series and they go, oh, things are going bad in this Brave series. But, uh, you know... Five losses in a row, even in isolation, is its own kind of like, oh, that that kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just the the overall play of the team, you almost miss that it's five in a row. I think that for me, when I saw the four wins in a row, I was like, okay, this is this is how it's going to be. They're around a five hundred team. Uh, they'll probably hover around here, and it won't get really bad. And then. Uh, this five-game losing streak, the way things have looked, I'm starting to question how bad it may be. Uh, when Patrick and I wrote the, you know, is this the year the pitching uh, will will falter, you know, where, where the bottom falls out. And I, we wrote that, and even I was like, you know, I yeah, that's probably a worst-case scenario, but I'm not sure if I see it definitely happening. But there's been a – and I'm not saying that it definitely will, that Davies and Hendricks will stay like this, but – Davies is very concerning. Hendricks, for me, less so. Uh, I mean, we could, we'll we'll dive into that, but I I just I I think maybe because I'm more familiar with Hendricks and I've I've seen him like this, maybe not to this extreme, but I've seen him pretty bad and getting knocked around. And I know uh, I know what he needs to work on, even if he says some different things right now. I, it's it's usually a few different things, and and he gets it locked in, and and this isn't crazy to see. But with Davies, it's just. So extreme, and when you have two-fifths of your rotation like that, you start to wonder, where is this going to go? How bad is this going to get? Especially when we know what this offense is. It's an offense that will show up every now and then and look like, you know, one of the greatest groups we've seen, but we also, we, we know, we, we've seen the back-to-back shutouts now. We know what this group is. They just aren't consistent enough. As much as they tease us, we, we, we I think all three of us have, have uh, settled into knowing that this offense is just going to be what it is. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I mean, Anthony Rizzo looked really good last <laughs> night. It was a funny, feel-good moment. Don't understand why you guys have to come in here and just start trashing on our podcast. I mean, Rizzo struck out Freddie Freeman. You guys didn't see that? <laughs> All is Am well. I the only one here? <laughs> I will. Hey, I will look. If we we should get into that because actually the way you the way you raise that too is is almost a perfect. So so here's the deal. Uh, I'm watching the game, covering the game like usual. They're getting smoked right out of the gate. Hendricks gives up. The multiple homers in the first. Uh, he's clearly off. You just, you knew. And you know, as dominating the Cubs, they had like eight strikeouts through the first four innings or something ridiculous. And so maybe that's a component of what was to come next. But I had mentally decided, okay, well, they've lost this game. So it's just going to be how it is. It's one of 162. There, there are broader themes at play, but let's just play out this game. And so when that seventh inning came along and you had this opportunity for Anthony Rizzo to do something silly, and then it was like, it wasn't just that he was pitching, it was that he actually struck out Freddie Freeman, who's cracking up, they're both cracking up. To me, that's, it seems very easy and obvious to be like, oh, thank God for that moment, because that was fun. You just, you almost never get to see something like that. Just enjoy it. And I was shocked 
at the extent of pushback there was out there from Cubs fans who must have a different conception of what this team is this year than, than I and you guys, I think, have had from the beginning, where, where um, challenges like this, I think we always saw as a possibility. So I, I don't feel as frustrated, I guess, when a game like that plays out, and it's like, oh, it's 10 nothing, whatever. Whereas other people are pushing back and they're like, it's 10 nothing. How dare you have fun? <laughs> How, dare, How you smile? dare you enjoy this moment? Uh, both to me and to the players. As though it's like, you know, I know we run into this concept a lot, but it's like, you know, they should be flagellating themselves that they would dare lose 10 to nothing. Um, I, I just don't get it. Because it's like, I think, and I'll uh, set you up in a minute on this, Mooney, but like I think back to, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, when there were heavy expectations for competitiveness. And I think maybe both as a fan of this particular team and maybe just the place I was in my life, when the Cubs would have a laugher back then, I had a much harder time enjoying like the stupid moments. I would, I would sort of try to put myself in that place because it was part of the job and like you tell yourself, well, I want to be happy. Um, but I just think I had a harder time actually doing it. And now five years later, I look at that and I look at the folks who are just so angry and I'm not trying to judge them, fan however you want to fan. But I'm just like, wouldn't you rather be happy? Like, wouldn't you rather be like, ah, eh, one game, whatever. But that moment was fun. I, I just, that seems that seems more delightful to me. That seems like a happier way to live. So I, I just I, I had trouble with that last night. I don't I don't get it. So I uh, I can admit I didn't watch the game last night. Patrick was on. I I was at my son's little league game, and once <laughs> I saw that first inning uh, on my phone, I was like, okay, I'm I, I can check out. For the night, I don't need to follow. And by the time I got home, I saw on Twitter that Rizzo was pitching. So I just threw it on, and that was the only at-bat I saw was the Freddie Freeman at-bat. And I immediately knew. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, Cubs Twitter is not going to like this. (laughs) Like, these guys are having way – You thought that right away? Because I know they're they're so angry right now. Everyone's so mad about things. My initial thought was like, wow, that was really fun. They're smiling too much for the fans. The fans are going to be upset about this. And then I went about my night, but so I didn't see the fallout. But I, I did, uh, I did think that almost immediately. Like fans are ticked. Like I, I see you see. We all see it in our mentions, so I get it. But you know, but maybe I, I'd rather they be ticked than checked out. But uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's coming. <laughs> well, I immediately went back to Miguel Montero and his baseball reference page which features two pitching appearances and i will never forget how just absolutely chapped he was in the city field visiting clubhouse after pitching in a 14-3 loss to the mets um on july 3rd 2016 now keep in mind at this point the cubs lost and are 21 games over 500 in early july in early july not even at the all-star break and to an all-star game that they absolutely dominate. I think they had what, like seven guys going something like that. And, you know, part of it was a, a Joe Madden thing. You know, it helped kind of like change the subject a little bit. You know, he liked kind of doing things like this, but it, it really struck with me of, you know, this is their livelihood and this is what so many people pour 
you know, a ton of effort into and make so many sacrifices. And, you know, if he could be that pissed off in the moment, I'm not saying, you know, a team should react that way all the time, but I do think it was interesting. I mean, I still remember the interaction all these years later. And for fans who loved it, I totally understand. That's great. That's great. I have absolutely no issue with that. But I, I also understand, you know, people thinking it's a tired act. You know, the Cubs getting their doors blown off like every other night and kind of seeing some of the same issues recurring. Um, you know, it's not like the Cubs fans are going to get a, a discount on their cable bill or uh, or their uh, tickets if a position player is pitching, like, you know, this is the big leagues. And I think in terms of a time and place, this was not it that night. And I think from my chair, you, you kind of already sense the, you know, how it was going to play on Twitter and it was going to like dominate the zoom conference afterwards. I mean, at the athletic, I mean, we made it like a breaking news thing. Like it was interesting and different, uh, but it's doesn't happen in, in a vacuum, and I get why there was just this like I think it was kind of a test if you're you know a Cubs fan of like how you feel about this moment right now, and they're just looking at my mentions and, and the timeline. Um, people were either like really into it and pissed at people who were angry about it, or <laughs> people were really angry about it and just could not comprehend people laughing about you know. Rizzo you know, pointing at, you know, I want you, Frederick, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think you you end up, these moments, they end up being a referendum on fandom, which is so unfair on both on all sides. You know, like, I, I, I mean it when I say it. You can, you can fan this thing however you want. And you make a good point, Mooney, that it, a moment like that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It only happens because they were getting smoked in another non-competitive game. And um, it... it I think for me as a Cubs fan and and perhaps as one who was emotionally prepared for this team to have some deeply sucky moments, I I find it very easy to divorce in my mind the disappointment and frustration about the things that go into a loss like that. Because there's a lot of shit that goes into a loss like that that's not good Um, from, oh, wow, we just got to see the big, fun, lovable Cubs first baseman strike out the reigning NL MVP. We are never going to see that again. So I'm just going to enjoy the shit out of that. And I, uh, I, yeah, I, I was hopelessly naive and I thought everybody would be on board for that. Um, I wonder it'll be, it would be interesting to know. And I, we aren't going to, but it would be interesting to know what the reaction is in the clubhouse both to that happening, I bet you they liked it. I bet it was fun. It was like, you know, screw it. We're losing. Let's just have a good time. But then thinking then after the fact, like, damn, we did get blown out again. That's two straight shutouts. That's we're not competing at all with this Braves team, which is thought to be a pretty decent team. Um, and it's April. Like, what in the world does this mean? You know, if we're having this moment, this like, well, we got to find something to be joyful about in April. What the hell are the next five months going to be like? And I do get that point. I do. I get that perspective, whether it's from the players or from fans. Um, 
So, in fact, as I'm like saying it out loud, a part of me is like, "Oh shit, this is bad. This is happening uh, yeah. already in April." I mean, it, it's it's starting to get. I mean, when you talk about it in context of everything, it's starting to look ugly, right? I mean, there's been uh, well, it was five nothing, ten nothing, and eight seven. So the pitching is is a mess, right? Whether it's the bullpen, whether it's Brandon Workman, whether it's. Uh, Zach Davies, Kyle Hendricks, uh, there are things that just seem like, woo, this this could get ugly quickly. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious. My like, I, I rewatched the zooms this morning, and and my general feeling was that yeah, they 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 knew it was a lighthearted moment, but also that they have to get things going. I I can't remember exactly what Ross said, but I I felt like he said like we I think we just kind of needed that lighthearted moment, but we also know that. It, you know, this is uh, we need to start playing good baseball. I, I think I'm summing it up uh, very loosely. I don't think you said it exactly like that, but they're they're aware of how things are going. It's not like they're they're <laughs> they're clueless to to how they've performed of late. And and Hendricks seemed like uh, that was some of the lowest I've seen him as far as him reacting to some things. Uh, I I wouldn't say that. I, I almost felt like he was a little over the top with how bad it is for him. I, I do wonder if he's being like he's starting to base it strictly off results and not the work that he's putting in in between when he says he's so far off. But I, I guess I guess what is he supposed to say when he has a performance like that? And that's the second time he's looked non-competitive in a start uh, this season, pretty much. Uh, maybe the third if you count opening day. Uh, but it, yeah, I can understand that he's probably mentally frustrated. He's probably frustrated quite a bit uh, with the results. So, But he seemed pretty down. And, Patrick, I mean, you were there for that. I mean, not there, but you were there live via Zoom for that. And uh, just watching it uh, this morning, I felt like, oh, he's he's in a bad place mentally. He needs to get right, and he needs to see some things go his way, especially after he, he was in that blowout win, right? Uh, and he was pitching really well. And it stood out to me. I, I know this is silly, and, and maybe you you think, yeah. uh, but that sixth inning where he gave up two home runs that immediately concerned me. Part of it, it like I was like, am I overreacting to an inning where he's just trying to throw strikes, where his team is up big, and you're just like, just get through six and save my bullpen. Let's let's move let's move this game along. Uh, but also at that point you do want to save your bullpen and you probably want to go seven or eight with his pitch count the where where it was and and that he couldn't do that it, it was that was a little red flag for me too that maybe he's not all the way right just yet even though he ha- gave you six solid innings when I mentioned Montero on Twitter I got a bunch of people saying you know that's what this team needs and making references to Lackey and Lester and stuff like that and I mean the Cubs hired David Ross to be this director of red ass. I mean, I think at this point we've all seen that the Cubs have made changes and maybe at certain point in time, at different moments, there was this kind of lack of urgency and edge that Theo repeatedly talked about. But I mean that, whether that was an excuse or an explanation, like that's gone. I mean, that went out the door years ago. And I think what we've seen here is just a total lack of like talent and depth and cohesion. I mean, it, I looked at Kyle 
Hendrix's numbers, and I couldn't believe it because you see like an, an ERA at almost eight, like okay, that's bad. It's earlier in the season. I mean, just the hits, the the walks, the runs he's given up in 22 innings. It is absurd. Like I had to like double check to make sure I wasn't uh, putting a typo into my copy. And like, if you're, I mean, their rotation is basically like getting moral victories out of pitching into the fifth inning. Uh, the offense is shut out, you know, if not once a series, it's like every other night, you know, they're just like down and, you know, the bullpen outside of Craig Kimbrell and, you know, Chafin, I mean, Ross doesn't trust a lot of guys when they're down to, like, keep it close to give the offensive a chance. And just kind of when you put all this together, it's not really like an attitude thing. It's like this is what happens to teams that cut and teams that don't replenish. Like, this is, you know, I asked Rizzo, was this, like, alarming because during his time here, at least during the competitive period, you know, even if the offense was down, the pitching and defense would pick it up or, you know, you'd have individual offensive players being able to carry the team. And he really just kind of had nothing. You know, it was just, well, we got to keep grinding. We got to keep pushing. Like, and this is not alarming as much as like a logical conclusion to all the decisions the Cubs have made in recent seasons. Uh, and I, I was thinking as you were saying that about um, – how this how this is playing out is does feel like a um your your like you know media median projection for this team um they've mostly been healthy too which is like you can't even really say well you know it's there's there's also this though and it's like okay javi's missed a few days the impact of that is probably debatable given nico is replacing him and what Javi was doing before that. Uh, Jock Peterson has been out, but I mean, I hope he comes back great, but he was substantially worse before he went out. And so, you know, injuries really don't have any say in what's going on. And, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, I noticed this morning as I was, I was writing up, you know, something on Kyle Hendricks' performance and noticed how jarring the stats are, as you did, Mooney, that, you know, it, it would be, nice to be able to explain away his massively inflated ERA, but I mean, he's literally got the highest barrel rate among pitchers in baseball by far. He's giving up the worst contact in baseball. And this is a guy who is like the preeminent contact manager. And I think that we couldn't have predicted that coming into the season. But again, we've, we've touched on this before. It's like, I, I don't know that we gave enough credence to those like 10 percentile outcome possibilities. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of those right now. And so I don't know. I don't think the Cubs are going to have a worse record than the Pirates this year. They do right now. Uh, but I do think that we're getting an opportunity now to, to take some additional stock of what happens to the results for this team if – at best, guys kind of perform like you expected, you know, some chunk of the team. And then some chunk of the team ends up on the, the lower half of performance instead of the top. And, um, you know, <laughs> tying it back, I think that could mean a lot more games like last night where it's a laugher. And I will agree that even for me, the, the opportunity to have those silly fun bits that come in those ugly games that will fade rapidly. Like that will not play for much longer. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't know where to tie this up. Do you do you want to do you want to round off something there, Sahadev? I, I mean, I can just say that uh, with Hendricks, I mean, when you talk about these ten percent outcomes, right, like the the lowest ten per, like you know tenth percentile out, outcome, that's the worst case scenario almost, right? So what? <laughs> For me, I think, you know, we know what Kyle Hendricks is. We know what he's done in his career and, and that he does have moments where he looks kind of lost, right? This is this is one of those extremes. I, I'm not sure if he's – I haven't looked up yet if he's been this bad over the stretch of whatever And in whatever fairness, too, by the before. way, it's often in April. Like, he has these, these kind of rough starts yeah. to the season. That does happen for him. Not this bad, but – And he's – we, uh, I was told uh, also about that I, when I brought up he's already matched his uh, eight walk total from all of last year. Obviously, a shortened season last year; it wasn't a full season. So, but still, he didn't walk guys last year. He's already had multiple multi-walk starts, outings. Uh, he doesn't look like himself. Well, that that's last season started in August, right? He had a four-month ramp up to get his himself right. Uh, that's that's you know, maybe that's an excuse, but that's also how Hendricks works. Hendricks gets locked in at a certain point and he rides it for months. Uh, I think what we re- need to figure out now is they thought they were heading in that direction before last night. They had identified what was wrong uh, and he's working towards it. I'm sure those are similar things. And, and we've talked about his cues before. One of them is is where he is at his, uh, the top of his balance point, the top of his delivery, which means when he brings his leg up, right? When he brings his leg up, if you look at Kyle Hendricks, he kind of crouches into his, into his knee, right? He brings his knee into his chest, kind of uh, hunches his back. When he's doing that, that's good. When he's hunching his back. When his back is a little straighter, that's bad. Uh, I think that's inconsistent right now, and also uh, what what pitching coaches or pitchers refer to as elbow flexion, which is essentially where your elbow and, and arm is at at, at, uh, at your landing point, your foot landing point when your foot hits the ground. Is that front the foot? In, your your arm needs to be at a certain like the, point. In, is that like What's the that? inverted W thing? Not the not for like it's I, kind I, of like that. Like you that don't want to sure you don't like. Yeah, you don't want uh, – I don't like all that stuff as far as a catch-all, but they're, it's good for individual pitchers. They need to know their cues and where your arm is at where, when your foot lands. Uh, you can make up for it in different ways, but Hendricks needs it at a certain point, right? Those are two things that they're looking at, trying to figure out how to get him right. Uh, and it's a process. When it's really off and he can't get that in rhythm, it can go sideways quickly, right? And then I think that's what we saw last night, and I think when – it's easy to say like, Ooh, Hendricks, I'm, I'm concerned about him. For me, my, my default is, is it'll come around. I think the, the question now is how long is it going to take? Is it going to take a few weeks, a few more starts? The Cubs don't have that luxury right now. They have another pitcher that is completely lost and, and don't, they don't have the same familiarity with them. Uh, and they're working on different things with him that maybe he hasn't really worked on before in his career. and, and they just have a staff that cannot go six, seven innings. Have they had a guy even enter the seventh? I don't think so. I think the long is six innings and done. Uh, right? So, that's really sad. So like, it's, when you say that, I haven't really yeah. thought about that, but that's so sad. And I think it's just like, and I think it's one. It was it was Jake did completed six once. Has anybody else done? Has anybody else completed six? Maybe I'm, I'm that, oh no, Hendricks Hendricks in the blowout uh, victory where he didn't he, he he barely escaped in the sixth and then start and he came out for the seventh and that's when he got knocked around 
that's when he started losing it. That that could be too, true, but it, it's bad. It's I mean the there's so many little things right now that you could say like oh it's a you know I, I can see the pitching getting right. It can't just be the pitching gets a little bit better. The pitching needs to get significantly better because the bullpen it's the bullpen could have been a strength right. It looked like it had an opportunity to be a strength. Now it's a mess because you're not getting six seven innings regularly. You're getting three or four innings way too much. Edward Alzali is going to pitch tonight, and he, I think he looks great. I think he looks great. The ERA isn't pretty, but I, I think he's, he has a great future in front of him. Unfortunately, he's just another pitcher that can barely go five innings for this team, and and they're not built for that. So the Tampa Bay Rays maybe, but the Cubs aren't right now at the moment. Uh, certainly, Ross hasn't found the pitchers, that he, the relievers he can go to to eat those two extra, three extra innings, whatever it is. So it's a it's – it's getting really bad right now. Even if you want to point to some of the bright spots, it's not enough for what this team needs. I just wanted, for the record, to say that uh, I love Anthony Rizzo's attitude in general. He brings it every single day. I have no problem with him wanting Freddie Freeman in that at bat. He's more than earned it with his production, um, his leadership, uh, his accountability on a day-to-day basis, no doubt. I'm also not anti-bat flips. I love the rules changes, all that stuff. I'm not trying to be some crabby old school dude in his basement. I just you know, think that you know watching Tim's, it. Tim's not going to include any of this in the final I, cut of this. It's gonna, he's going to leave it where like, the, you're the villain of the, you're, you're Gallagher, the villain of this, this show. Gallagher's <laughs> final word is that it takes – <laughs> so much concentration and effort and energy and blood, sweat, and tears to like win a major league baseball game and like build a cohesive team. And I think watching this group this month, I think you see it slipping away. And I think this idea of like just recreating it or flipping a switch or just kind of like subbing it in and out like lines on a hockey team for next year is just absurd. And that kind of was ringing in the back of my head while watching some of the uh, LOL reactions to Rizzo versus Freeman. Yeah, that's fair. That's actually well put, too, as something we think about in the months ahead where every discussion about the Cubs' struggles in advance of the trade deadline are going to be about, like, trades and what you can get and who you might want to resign and all of that kind of stuff. And probably not enough of it will be a more 10,000 foot view to how do we fundamentally change this roster? And because I think you go sort of individually player to player and you don't want to have that conversation, or at least fans don't, we don't want to have that conversation, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's been years now where it's like, we know at the broadest sense, they can't just run it back. They can't. It's like a joke that we made for years that they can't just keep running it back and they have. <laughs> and yeah, maybe it gives us these like tug on the heart moments or laugh about a pitching appearance moments but it certainly hasn't made for a particularly compelling actual baseball team which is sort of the it's, it's kind of the thing right uh so <laughs> the cubs will wrap up this series uh with the braves and uh you know we'll see where where that lands them at the end of the official end of april and um you know I do. I look forward to continuing these conversations. I really do. Maybe this harkens back to how I was able to enjoy the Rizzo thing. But for as much as I don't like seeing the Cubs struggle and lose, I do at least find some of the conversations we're able to have now 
interesting and compelling in a way that's been different than the last few years, um, because I think we all can kind of see that there's a horizon coming. So we'll, you know, obviously get into that next time back at you next week here on, on Twaveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the athletic. Make sure you are rating, reviewing, subscribing, loving, sharing, telling your friends. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get their stuff at The Athletic. And we will see you all very soon. Take care. Peace.